This is John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. May it be born out in our lives now. I pray that your word lands in us, grows a deep seed, a deeper root, and a greater fruit. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes feel I'm juggling like six things up here. You know, I've often wondered if we as believers are too content in our relationship with Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, it says, and I love this passage, so I just want to read it directly. It says, drink deeply with joy from the wells of salvation. Have you ever read that before? That's a good verse. As a matter of fact, when you read that verse, or if you memorize that verse, the wells of salvation is what Jesus is talking to this woman about. And it's a direct reference to this passage. As a matter of fact, in the ESV, it says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And on that day, you will give thanks to the Lord, call upon his names, make known his deeds among the peoples, and proclaim that his name is exalted. On the day that you drink with joy, and draw that water from the wells of salvation. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to draw from the well of salvation? Do we settle on just a small taste of it and never really get to drink deeply from the deepest and richest supply? Do we think just a little bit is all we need? Have we settled on the idea that maybe it's something we already have or something that we'll learn someday how to really get that water? Maybe God will just do something and then all of a sudden it will be this flow coming out of us or that well will be right in front of us one day and we'll get to drink from it? Or do you think we're different since we have Jesus? And other people who don't have Jesus, they don't know about this Jesus, and so they're different from us? Are we different because of Jesus? Do we look, sound, talk, act different? I heard this one time, and I think you'll agree with me. If there's any change in us, in anybody, the way we speak will change. Persons who had foul language, their language cleans up. When they become holy and righteous, they just don't want to talk that way anymore. But yet I find a lot of believers think that Jesus is just a relationship to get them out of hell. A get-out-of-jail-free card like in Monopoly. And that's the extent of their relationship because they were afraid of dying in eternity and that's what they wanted was to, to calm that fear. What do you think? Do you think maybe we need a ground-shaking move of the Holy Spirit to shake the foundations of our world again like they did at the day of Pentecost or on the day when they prayed in the upper room that God would do a mighty work? Do you think we need that or are we good like it is? 
status quo, keep it the same. Do you think the church at large, not just us, at large is doing okay? Or do you think it could be doing better? Do you think there are issues it needs to answer and questions it hasn't answered that it struggles with? Or do you think status quo is okay? Do you think God needs more glory in the church? And what about our own church? Do we need to do more for God? Are we doing enough? Have we got some things we could do that we, we haven't chosen to because we're afraid to or because we never thought of them? Have we visioned out and tried to figure out where is God leading us? What are we supposed to do? How do we reach our community? What do we do next? These questions and more I wrestle with all the time because those answers aren't always easy to find. So do we hear and follow Jesus correctly and then apply the gospel to every moment of our life? Or are we satisfied with the first sip of salvation and think that's all there is? Then we come to this passage. It'll mess with you if you spend some time with it. And I've been spending most of the week with it, trying to avoid it. Because what Jesus said is, in that uh, 13th verse, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Which water? The water at the well she was drawing. The water from her father Jacob, who gave them the well, and where his livestock and many other generations have fed it was this water that Jesus talking about greater than Jacob's? And Jesus answered that question real simple. This well does not satisfy, but for a little bit. And you take a sip from this and think that's all there is, but you got to keep coming back to get another sip. I'll tell you something. When God gives you something, He doesn't do it partially. He gives the Holy Spirit without measure. He gives grace without measure. It's what you need. And if you only take a portion of what He's thrown out in front of you, the rest of it doesn't get um, used. It's not like you're taking someone else's measure of God's grace or His mercy. It's all for you. What He has for you. And the giftings and blessings for your life are all for you. And so when this woman hears Jesus saying, you know, you drink from this water, you're going to get thirsty again. She understands. She understands exactly what he's talking about. And he's also talking about the drinking from the fountain of relationships that never satisfied her either. This well, the well that you draw from, whatever well we draw from, will never satisfy if it isn't the well of salvation. If it isn't that one. And it's kind of difficult of a dynamic to explain when trying to understand why the woman at the well was hearing Jesus incorrectly. We think, well, she should hear Him. If He's offering her water, why does she ask, like last week, you don't have a bucket. How are you going to draw from it? How are you going to get that living water? Where's your source? Very practical in her mind. And we say, but Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say... You have to have a bucket to get it. This is just her assumptions. Why is she mishearing him? She would have some of the same questions you and I have when we would talk to Jesus in that moment as well. And then she would have a few that she would have based on her traditions that we do not have or understand. Now we get a little glimpse into her that she was familiar with history. 
in the Old Testament passages because she referenced Jacob and a little later in the passage we understand how she talks about worship in the Heavenly Father. And she, and she gives some insight that she's aware. Get this. She's aware of who God is, how God came to give the commandments and faith and Israelite favor to the nation. And how God moved through the prophets. She's aware of this, but at the same time, she does not believe she's welcome in it. Or that she's allowed to have it. Being aware of who Jesus is is not the same thing as loving Him in a very powerful relationship. Not the same. Being aware of the Bible and all the promises in it aren't the same as basing your life on them. So she knew the history, the patriarchs, and she knew why they were important. She even said, Our father, Jacob, our forefather, if you will, Jacob gave us this well. She didn't say, gave me, us, the nation, gave us this well. And so she realizes she's got a kind of a trickle-down blessing because she's part of that nation because of her birthright. But she also realizes she's also not included because of her lifestyle and her choices and the way she sees life and the way they've told her it is. And the things that she held true, Jacob, culture, these things were larger than life. If you talk about Abraham or Moses in certain circles, even today, those figures seem to be bigger than other people, more relevant. And yet, they're just people of faith who lived it out and followed God faithfully. But they get a higher respect than other people when we talk about them. In the New Testament, we find even in the Old Testament, you refer to Moses. Moses said this, you know, and oh, that there it is. Moses said it. That's that matters. I belong to Abraham. That matters in certain circles. I'm a child of Abraham. In the New Testament, we learn that's a big deal. Throwing out name dropping like that. <laughs> so when she defers to Jacob, Jesus discounts tradition. He says, Jacob gave you the well, but that water doesn't really satisfy you. You've got to keep coming back to the well. And he discounted the forefathers of the faith as a source of strength for hope because they're not. They're an example, but they're not the source of strength. And he should discount them as a source of strength and hope because our hope is in God and God alone. No other source of hope do we have. Nobody who walked this planet besides Jesus Christ can give us hope. Just because we're connected to a powerful line of patriarchs does not mean that we have hope for eternity and salvation because of that lineage. There's no guarantee in that. And I believe she was familiar with Zechariah chapter 14, verse 8. It's talking about a prophecy when Jesus says in, in the 14th verse that I will give you, the water that I give you will well up. And become in you a spring of water 
welling up into eternal life. This statement would pull her back to Zechariah 14.8. And it says, on that day, this is talking about the day of the Lord, okay? A future day of the Lord. It says, on that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half to the eastern sea and half to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. In other words, it will never stop, these living waters. Flowing waters out of Jerusalem. On the day of the Lord, living waters will flow. Jesus is saying to her, this is the day of the Lord. If you will ask, living waters will start to flow summer, winter, spring, fall. If you will ask. And she's drawing on that passage in Zechariah and going, wait a minute. Are you saying you're the fulfillment of God's promise to us? And he is saying, yes. Yes, I am. And that's a powerful statement. Because now he's pulled in her history, the prophets, the promise of God, and the day of the Lord that was going to come one day and saying, today's that day. This day is the day of the Lord. I think that's powerful. Her understanding may have thought that the day of the Lord and the living waters were far from her reach. And we might think that's true for us too. But it's not. It's not out of reach at all. When Jesus says she'll thirst again after drinking well water. I asked my wife a few moments before I came up here to give me water because my throat's a little dry. Just one sip won't settle a lifetime full of thirstiness, will it? That won't be the last bottle of water or sip of water that I take. I'll come back for more. Because all it does is takes care of a moment. It doesn't take care of an eternity. It takes care of a moment. The basic questions that he doesn't ask her and you would think these would be understood. Are Have you ever been satisfied here with this water? Or are you satisfied with your life? He didn't have to ask her that. It's understood that she has to come back to that well many times. And with her five husbands, she's not satisfied with her life. So he doesn't ask her that. He doesn't ask her, have you ever felt the true peace of God? There is no question that she's never felt it because the Holy Spirit at that time had not yet been given. She's felt maybe that God at one point in her life was available, but now she didn't believe God was accessible. So we didn't have to ask her if you ever felt God's presence because she didn't think that it was for her. And he didn't ask her, have you ever stopped trying to run or even questioned the value of your self-protecting agenda? Are you still trying to run your agenda? Have you stopped trying to question the value of it? Or you just keep doing it because that's what you do. He didn't ask her that. We already know that our own self-protecting agenda doesn't do any good, but we stick to it because that's the well we drink from. He didn't say this. Do you feel like another rat in life's rat race? Yes, she did. But she felt like the big rat. Not the little rat. The biggest rat of all. 
the worst rat, the most despicable rat. And he didn't ask you this. Is what you're doing working well for you? What an insult that would have been to ask her that. Because he already knew, and she already knew, nothing she did was working. Not for satisfaction, not for joy, not for peace. She was just trying to find some sense of semblance of life in a workaday world where nobody wanted her except for short-term temporary pleasure. He doesn't ask these questions because they're common struggles for all of us. We all wonder about the peace of God. We all wonder if we're just in this treadmill of life and what happens at the end. Are we going to get off the treadmill? Or is there something more to life than that? We all struggle with that. So he didn't ask those things. He knows these questions because he's human and he had them too. He struggled with all the things we struggle with. Father, is this really important? Can I get off this treadmill and not go to the cross because this path is destined? Can I get off of this? He asked him to do that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wasn't unaware that the life that God calls us to is difficult sometimes. But he also knew that the questions sometimes are why? Or how? Or when? So he didn't ask her any of those questions because he struggled with them just like we do. And then he says, the living water will be an internal source welling to eternal life. An internal supply. Of what? Of what? If I got an internal supply of water and I don't drink it, am I going to flood out? Am I going to drown in the water that's inside me? It's a silly question, but I've heard this said before. It's the same mentality she's using because she's using the reference of the water we see for the water Jesus is referring to. Do you think she's actually understanding that he doesn't mean H2O? Do you really think he's talking about Water that you drink from a bottle? That kind of water? You think he's really talking about that? Or do you think maybe he's talking about something a little different? And to grab that difference is to make all the difference in the world. And if there is water there, how is it well up into eternal life? I thought, I thought eternal life was, you know, you believe in Jesus don't need this well thing. I've got this belief in Jesus. I don't need this well you know, springing up inside me. I've got it already. Uh, Jesus, are you saying I don't have it? If this well is going to spring to eternal life, but isn't yet eternal life if I have it, what do you mean? <laughs> and what's it like to have that spring inside of us? And is the eternal supply, the internal supply, in me? Is it in you? And all those questions that I wrestle with, and she wrestled with, and that you probably wrestle with, Jesus lays them out there and says that this will happen. Now, her response, do you think it's, you still don't have a bucket? Where are you going to get it from? 
Do you think that's her response? Do you think she's going to say, well, you know, I'm tired of drinking this bottled water. I don't have to open up a bottle of water and take another sip of another one and I'll still be okay. Where do I sign up? And then that would be my last sip. I'll give you a little teaser on what she says. She says, I don't want to come to this well anymore. I don't want to come to this well anymore and draw water. I don't want to do it anymore. I do it alone. I do it without friends. I do it without people. And I don't want to do that anymore. My life is lived in isolation. I don't want that. Whatever, whatever I got to do to have a better life, to make it a little easier, I want that source. I don't think she gets it yet when she says that. But I want to tell you something. The reason Jesus says water is because it was accessible and an easy illustration from what the illustration meant. That she was drawing from a well, hoping to find something to satisfy her. She was drawing from relationships to find something to satisfy her. She was drawing from all sorts of things that never satisfied her because she kept having to draw again, trying to see if this time it'll work. One more sip, maybe it'll work. Some of us in the faith are like that. Well, I prayed, let me try one more prayer. I think God loves me, but I'm not sure. Let me pray and ask Him one more time to show me. And we go over and over this same old stuff. And Jesus is saying, this well will well up into you, into eternal life. Now, if you heard that passage that I've referenced from Isaiah, where it says, to drink deeply from the wells of salvation, listen carefully as I read it again. Well, you might have heard me the first time. But you might have missed one word. And do you know what word that is? It says, drink deeply from the wells of salvation. Is that what it says? Not what it says. There's another word in there. It says, with joy. With joy, you will drink deeply from the wells of salvation. With joy in your heart. And if you don't have joy in your heart, then drinking from any other source isn't going to work. Because joy only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, brings the joy of the Lord to you. If your life isn't joyful, you're going to have trouble drinking at the well of the Holy Spirit. Because you're still looking for it. God, I need this. I need this. I, I just want to know. I just want to know. Instead of saying, God, the joy is where I drink from. The joy of the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit joy inside of me, which wells up and wells up into more joy and thankfulness and gratitude and all that out of that relationship with God. And there's joy. There is no joy in this woman's wife life. I promise you there's no joy. If there was joy, she wouldn't be struggling and alone. That's not a life of joy. A life of joy says, I love. I'm free to love and I have the joy of the Lord inside me that lets me love others freely out of a heart that's transformed. A heart that belongs to God. And there's joy in this relationship and I love Jesus. I love what He's done for me. I just love Him. And that joyfulness comes out. With joy, you drink from it. If you're miserable and you drink from it, you're trying to relieve 
your misery, but with joy you drink from it for salvation. Because the joyful heart knows the source of salvation. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings the joy to you. And when you have the joy, you're not drinking it, you're pouring it out. Do you see the difference? A spring pours out, a fountain outflows. You don't, like, if you have a fountain inside you, it's coming out of you. Do you understand Jesus is saying, if you have my joy in you, others will drink from you. Not you. You are the source with God in you. And it wells up into wells of salvation. And it's not your salvation, it's God's that others feed off of when they come to you. That's a radically different life than she's living. And she can't understand it because she doesn't think it's available. And with all the questions that we raise and running our own agenda, we think this is too far-fetched or impractical. But it's not. Not even close to impractical. It's available. It's present. It's here. And it's now. The day of the Lord is at hand. And I pray today that we as a church and as individuals would know that when we say, I I just don't feel satisfied, I'm not drinking enough of the supply inside me. (laughs) It's not yours that you drink from. It's not your supply. It's His supply that the joy which you have satisfies you. hard to explain that when you don't understand the Holy Spirit's working. But once it's there, you go, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I understand. But until that becomes something you understand, it's still a foreign concept. And when it's a foreign concept, I pray that you pray day and night hard and say, God, make that real. For me too. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank You that Your Word is yes in Jesus Christ. That You are the fountain of life welling up. And I thank You that You know how to fill us and dwell us and transform us into healed holy people. Not only that, Heavenly Father, but we become a source for others to draw life from. And may we then at this time, in this place, right now, remember that we belong to You. Amen.